Welcome to New Life with Adam Camp. This podcast is a ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia. Please visit us on the web at rosemontchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Fathers, we come to our time in worship where we have the privilege of studying your word. Father, I just pray you'd remind us of the significance of what we do. Lord, remind us that throughout history, people have not had the opportunity to read the printed word of God. And so, Lord, we live in a, in a time of, of prosperity, Lord, and a time of great blessing, but I pray you would just keep us mindful of that. I pray that as we open the truth of your word, you would speak clearly to our hearts. I pray, Father, you would challenge us to live our lives differently. And I pray through the power of the Holy Spirit, Father, we'd be transformed more into the image of your Son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Well, it's nice to be back here this morning. I was, of course, here last week, but the week before we were in Guatemala. And so many of you have asked and prayed for us, and I just want to thank you again for that. I went with the team to Guatemala. We had a team that went to Zambia, and let me tell you this, we had 51 people that left this country during spring break to do the ministry of Christ in foreign lands, and we had 51 people that came back different than when they left, right? If you win, that's true of you, just say amen. You never go and come back the same. I just want to encourage you and and challenge you to continue to be in prayer for what the Lord's doing in our missions movement. We've got several trips upcoming. Brazil's coming up. We've got Camp Viola, which is a great opportunity to do ministry. We have Mission LaGrange in July, which you'll continue to hear more about. A great opportunity to do ministry. We've got a team going to Alaska, a big team going to Alaska, a, a good team going to Romania. And if you're still interested in mission work, all those trips are closed now. It's kind of too late for you to get on board. But we still have trips in the fall. We're going to go back to Guatemala. We're going to go back to Zambia. I know some of you have expressed interest. If you're interested in those trips, two weeks from today, April the 27th, we're going to have an interest meeting. Now, an interest meeting simply means I'm interested. It doesn't mean you're signing up. You're not writing your name on the dotted line. It just means I may be interested in going. Come and listen even if you're considering it. Even if you're thinking about it, hear more about the trip, begin to pray a little bit about that. But that's April the 27th. If you're interested, also on that same day, Alaska the 40-plus people that are going to Alaska, you have a meeting as well on the 27th. So I just want to encourage you to continue to pray, to be a part of that. Let me just thank Preacher Max. I know he's not in here this morning, but he preached two weeks ago. He filled in for me when I was in Guatemala. I had Jason preach for me last week. And Jason, by the way, did a great job. Let me tell you what I love about Jason. Jason's not afraid to preach the Word. Now, I'm going to say something, and and the students, y'all can get your shoes ready to throw at me if you want to. I, I apologize in advance. I have almost teenagers, so I can say this. I'm convinced that our students don't need to be entertained. They need to be discipled. There's plenty of entertainment going around. Most of it's bad. Jason's got a heart for discipleship. I'm just so excited about what he's doing. I'm so excited about those students. You guys are fortunate to have him. We're fortunate to have him as a church. I want to remind you before I jump into the passage of Scripture, next Sunday morning is Easter. In case you didn't remember, our services will be moved to Troop High School mathematically, we'd have to have four services here, and they'd all have to be packed to get everybody in, and we just don't think we can do that. So we do two services at Troop High School, one at 8.30, one at 10.30. Please make plans to be a part of that. Bring a friend next Sunday morning, Easter Troop High School. Now take your Bibles. Let's open to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. 
This is, I think, our 13th week of our sermon series we've entitled Upside Down, and we're kind of winding down to the end. We've been studying through the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. We finished with chapter 5. We finished with chapter 6. We arrive now at chapter 7, and we're calling it upside down because we believe that everything that Christ teaches us in the Sermon on the Mount causes us to live our lives upside down from what the world teaches. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you ought to look different from the rest of the world. If you're trying to live your life so that you look like everybody else, you're missing the truth of the teaching of Christ. And so Jesus calls us to be different. He calls us to look different. He calls us, at least in the word we've been using, to live upside down. So we're going to continue our study this morning, Matthew chapter 7. We're going to jump right into this. We're going to read all the way through 12 verses or study through 12 verses. We're going to take it one step at a time to see exactly what the Lord has us to see. So beginning in Matthew chapter 7, we'll look first of all verses 1 and 2. I think we have those on the screen. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. Do not judge the words of Christ here on the sermon, and Sermon on the Mount. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now let's stop there for a minute. Let me give you the first truth. There's several things Christ wants us to understand. There's several truths we need to understand in this passage of Scripture. But here's the first one. I think it's foundational to what he's going to say for the remainder of this section. Truth number one is this. We should never look down on others with a judgmental attitude. We should never look down on others with a judgmental attitude. Now, I want to make a statement before I move through this passage and explain it that I hope you'll understand and I hope you'll appreciate, and I think I can back it up scripturally here over the next few minutes, but here's the statement. I believe that Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, may be one of the most misunderstood and most misquoted verses in all the Bible. So many people in our world have taken Matthew chapter 7 verse 1, do not judge, as a license to act any way they want to act, to do anything they want to do, and not be held accountable for it. Now we live in a world that says you should do what you want to do, I'll do what I want to do, and you don't need to judge me, right? If I've got some sort of addiction that I'm dealing with, you don't need to judge me for that. If I'm dealing with some sort of a sexual sin in my life, you don't need to judge me for that. If I don't treat people fairly or with kindness or with respect, you don't need to judge me for that. In fact, I think the motto that we could kind of fit into our world based on this passage of Scripture is this. You should mind your own business. You do what you want to do, I'm not going to bother you. I'll do what I want to do, and whatever I do is really none of your business. So let's think through that just for a second. If we believe this is the teaching of Christ, that we should never recognize sin, then what we're ultimately saying is that, she's not happy to be in here, I'm sorry. I, I know some of you want to step out, it's okay. You don't have to scream, just step on out if you need to, it's fine. I've had little ones, I totally understand. If we buy into this mindset of minding our own business, what it means is that we turn a blind eye to sin and we simply ignore its effects in our lives and in the lives of others. That's not what Christ teaches. 
We never see in the New Testament that we're to turn a blind eye to sin. We never see in the New Testament that we're to ignore it. We never see in the New Testament that we're just to sweep it under the rug and pretend that it didn't actually happen. In fact, what we've seen through our study in the Sermon on the Mount is that over and over and over, Christ helps us understand that there's a correct way to live and there is an incorrect way to live. Now, if you were to spend some time reading through the New Testament, you would see all sorts of examples of this in the writings of Paul, for example. 1 Corinthians chapter 5 says this, Paul writing to the church at Corinth, But now I am writing to you that you must not associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister, but is sexually immoral or greedy, an idolater or slanderer, a drunkard or swindler. Do not even eat with such people. Paul says you need to recognize sinfulness and you need to stay clear of it. Romans 16, 17 through 19 Paul, again, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned. Keep away from them. For such people are not serving our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. Everyone has heard about your obedience, so I rejoice because of you. But I want you, now watch this, to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. In fact, Paul takes it a step farther in Ephesians 5. Not only should we be aware of it, not only should we flee from it, but listen to what Ephesians 5.11 says. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Now there's this sense all through the New Testament, if we understand the, the writing of Paul and the teaching of other New Testament writers, That not only should we be aware of sinfulness, not only should we be aware of evil, but we should flee from it. And when given the opportunity, we should shun it. And John Stott explains it like this. He says, our Lord's injunction to judge not cannot be understood as a command to suspend our critical facilities in relation to other people. To turn a blind eye to their faults, pretending not to notice them. To avoid all criticism and to refuse to discern between the truth and error, between goodness and evil. You cannot make a biblical case that Matthew chapter 7 verse 1 simply means that believers should never recognize sin and should never try to combat it. That's not at all what the Word of God teaches. So here's the question we arrive upon. If we're not supposed to kind of mind our own business, if we're supposed to be aware of sin and actually shun sin, how do we understand this verse? What's Christ getting at here in Matthew chapter 1 verse 7? Well, let's take a step back and put this in context to try to understand exactly what Jesus means here. You may remember in the sermon that Jesus has already spoken to the Pharisees. And he's used the Pharisees on several different examples as hypocrites. You may remember Matthew chapter 6, he uses the Pharisees as an example. He says, when you give to the needy, don't be like the Pharisee, don't be like the hypocrite. Because when they give to the needy, they want everybody to see it. He says in Matthew chapter 6, when you, when you pray, don't be like the Pharisee, don't be like the hypocrite that stands is so much better than everybody else, right? When you, you fast in Matthew chapter 6, don't, don't fast like the hypocrite, like the Pharisee. You do it so that everybody else can see you. When you do it, you be what? Humble about it. You do it in private. See, here's what the Pharisees were known for doing. The Pharisees would take the word of God, 
They would twist the word of God. They would develop their own standards. And then watch this. They would judge people based on those standards. So if you're not doing these certain things according to the Pharisees, you were sinful. It's this idea of condescending judgment that I'm going to set the standard, that I'm going to make the rules, that I'm going to say what's right, and if you don't fall within that category, if you don't fall under that umbrella, if you're not doing the things I say you ought to do, then you're sinful. So when Christ talks about not judging, he's talking to us, as we talked in our first point here, about having a judgmental attitude. He's talking about not being condescending. He's talking about not setting standards for ourselves, but instead seeking the standards of the Word of God. See, He's already given us the standards. He's already given us right from wrong. It's not up to us to make those decisions. It's up to us to follow the teaching that's clearly given to us in the Word of God. I was riding this week with uh, Joel Upchurch. Some of you guys know Joel. Rob's brother, Rob and Joel. We were going to lunch, and we were driving down Lafayette Parkway, and we were headed towards the mall, and he was driving his truck, and we were coming up on Davis Road. Now, Davis Road is pretty busy, right? It's getting busier and busier. That little intersection there, it's kind of dangerous. And so we kind of reached the point of no return. You know, there's this point in every intersection. Our light was green. We were doing what we were supposed to be doing. There's kind of this point of no return where you're going through the intersection. You can't stop in time, right? And so as we got real close to this intersection, this truck that was going to turn onto Davis Road was going to kind of come in front of us, make the turn in front of us, and continue to go. Well, we were almost to the intersection when he decided to make that turn. Apparently, he didn't see us. What's interesting, when you talk to people that have accidents, oftentimes they'll say, I never saw it coming right, or I didn't even see the other car. Joel never saw this truck. And so we're driving down the road, and I saw it, and I screamed out to him. I didn't say anything bad. I want you to relax. Nothing, nothing unbiblical about what I said, just to be clear there. But I yelled something out to him. I didn't even know what I said. Watch out. And when I did, he saw the truck, and he literally had to swerve to miss that truck. And we swerved and kind of you know, got back in the lane, and we <laughs> kind of looked at each other, hearts beating. You okay? Yeah, I'm okay, right? He said, I never saw that truck. I never even saw it. Had you not called out, I, we may have hit that truck, because I just, for whatever reason, I didn't see him coming. It's kind of like that with sin in our lives, isn't it? Usually we just don't see it coming, do we? We may be kind of minding our own business, just kind of driving down the road a lot, just kind of doing our own thing, and somebody just pulls right out in front of us, or something just comes right in front of us and crosses our path, and we never see it. And sometimes we need a brother or sister to lovingly come beside us, not in a judgmental attitude, but with love, and say, hey, just watch out for this. You're just kind of heading down a dangerous path. There's something up ahead I want you to be aware of. Now, now just imagine this. Imagine if we'd been driving down that road towards that intersection, and I saw the truck, and in that split second I thought, I don't want to be judgmental about his driving. I'm not going to say anything. (laughs) Now, imagine if we had that collision, right? And assuming we both survived, I hope we would have, we're laying in the hospital, and I said something like this, hey, man. I saw that truck coming, but I didn't want to say anything about it. What? You're an idiot. Why didn't you say something to me, right? I mean, here we are in the hospital. You saw it coming. Why didn't you stop me, right? It's, it's like that with brothers and sisters in Christ. Sometimes we need to come along beside each other and say, listen, I love you. I'm not going to be condescending. I'm not going to talk down to you. I'm not setting the standards. I'm just simply saying the word of God says this, and you're making decisions that are leading you down a bad path. 
If you keep driving the way you're driving, you're going to have an accident. And I love you enough to tell you. It's not an easy conversation to have. Sometimes it's not very pleasant. But if we speak the truth in love, think about all the disasters we could avoid. One writer said it like this. He said, as believers, it's not our duty to create the standards for right and wrong. That's already been done by our Father, who's the lawgiver. But it is our duty to evaluate the rightness and wrongness of the things on the basis of God's word and to call sin, sin, when the Bible does so. In that case, we're not judging. We are simply pointing to a judgment that has already been made by one who is qualified to make it, right? See, when we see a brother or sister struggling in sin, we shouldn't say to ourselves, oh, I'm not going to judge. What we ought to say instead is, you know, in the name of Christ, because I love you so much, because he set this out clearly in his word, I want to help you understand this. I want to help you avoid that disaster. But I want you to know something very interesting about what Christ does here. There's a warning. If we're not going to look down with a judgmental attitude, we're still going to recognize sin. We're still going to try to help our brothers and sisters. There's a warning here. Look at verse 3. Look at what Jesus does. Why do you, he says, look at the speck of sawdust in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck... Let me back up. I read that wrong. Some of you caught it. Let me read it again. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye... There it is. And pay no attention to the plank in your own eye. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. That's a strong word. That's the word he uses for the Pharisees oftentimes. First take the plank out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. See, we shouldn't have a judgmental attitude. Instead, here's the second truth. We must first deal with sin in our own life before trying to help our brother or sister. See, you you need to be constantly dealing with the situation of your own life, with the mistakes you're making, with the sinfulness in your life. So Christ uses this very interesting hyperbole. It's like an exaggeration, right? And he uses the example of a, of a, of a tiny piece of, of, of dust, of dirt in your brother's eye. And you're so concerned about that little speck of dirt in your brother's eye that you're not even willing to notice that you've got this plank, right? This, this beam coming out of your eye. Jesus says, you, you don't need to worry about the little speck in your brother's eye. You don't need to worry about his problems until you first looked at your own mistakes, Until you first dealt with the plank in your eye. Until you first dealt with the sinfulness of your own life. But here's the problem we have. Now watch this. You ready? It makes us feel really good sometimes to point out the flaws of others. You know why? Because it makes us feel better about ourselves. And we always preface it with something like this. I'm not perfect. But at least I'm not doing that. Right? I've mean, I, I made mistakes, but at least I'm not. Can you believe that he did that? Can you believe she said that? Can you believe she acted this way? Can, can you believe that they're thinking like this? Can, can you believe they're. Here's what we've done. You ready? We've set standards by which we're holding other people accountable for. 
They're not living the way we think they ought to live. They're making mistakes that we don't like. They're doing something we would never do. And so we're looking down upon them with judgment. See, I've got this standard that I live by. And when you don't live by it, you're wrong. And I'm going to talk to you. Let me talk about you. Let me just take a little side note here and explain this. If somebody is making a real mistake, you know what you ought to do? You ought to go to that person and talk to them. That's what Matthew 18 says. It's very clear. You don't go to Facebook. Right? You don't tweet it. Whatever social media you want to use, you don't call all your friends and talk about that person. You go to that person and you speak to them. If we're not careful, it's very easy for us to find fault in so many other people, isn't it? And yet, how often do we look ourselves in the mirror and say, you know what, I know other people have got problems, but so do I. And before I look down upon all those people with a judgmental attitude, I'm going to try to fix what's in my mind first. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the German theologian, said it like this. When we are on the lookout for evil in others, our real motive is obviously to justify ourselves. Right? Christ says, if you don't want to look with judgment upon other people, if you don't want to have a judgmental attitude, if you don't want to be rude the way you treat other people, then you need to worry about yourself first. Worry about your issues. Pray through your problems. Try to correct the errors in your life. And then he's going to give us kind of an interesting idea here in verse 7. Let's continue to move forward through this. Verse 7, Christ says, Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, this is an interesting little analogy he gives here. If your son asks for bread, we'll give him a stone. Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake. Or if then, though you are evil, how Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Here's the third truth I want you to understand. Here's the third truth Christ gives us. Don't focus on other people's flaws. Seek Christ instead. The next time you see somebody doing something you know they ought to do, they know they shouldn't do. Man, I'm, just, I'm saying all kind of wrong things today. Before you see somebody doing something wrong, the next time you see them doing something wrong, before you... Gossip about them before you look down upon them, before you find a judgmental attitude. You need to seek Christ. You need to ask the Lord to speak to your heart. You need to ask the Lord to work in your life. Don't worry so much about everybody else. Worry about your holiness and your attitude and your actions first. Now, this passage of Scripture ought to give us relief for a couple of reasons. First, There's great comfort in knowing that the King of kings and the Lord of lords and the creator of the universe listens to our prayers. Ask and you will receive, right? What what an incredible promise from the Lord. This is the creator of all things, the author of our salvation, the giver of all good gifts, the sustainer of life. He loves you enough that he's willing to listen to you and to respond to you in your need. Martin Lloyd-Jones said it like this. It's one of those great, comprehensive, and gracious promises which are to be found only in the Bible. There's great comfort there that the Lord hears our prayers. But here's the second reason that we should find comfort 
This entire section is about the Lord giving us good gifts. I want to read it again for you, and I want to, I want to emphasize it. Bring up verse 7 again, if you would, for me, please. I want you to notice all the times given is mentioned here in verse 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. Now, verse 8. For everyone who asks, receives. To the one who seeks, finds. To the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Right? Verse 9. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a steak? Verse 11. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? This is an incredible passage of Scripture because here's what it's ultimately saying. Not only does the Lord love you, not only does he want to provide for you, but he wants to give you good gifts. He wants to give you what you need. He wants to love you and provide for you and sustain you. I did something really smart a few years ago, and I don't often do things smart, so when I do, I try to remember them so I can do them again. One year, I had this little journal, this little notebook. And throughout the course of the whole year, every time Amy would say something she wanted, I would write it down. So I had this little notebook, about 50 pages of stuff, you know, just a lot of stuff she wanted throughout the course. I'm just kidding, just a few things. And so we get to Christmas, and I've got this list of the things that she really wants, right? And so guess what I did? I went to the store, and I bought them, all right? And so she's opening Christmas morning. She's like, oh, I really wanted this. I was like, and I know. I wrote it down back in March. <laughs> she opened something. Oh, this is exactly what I wanted. I know. I wrote it down, right? And so it was, it was an incredible Christmas. In fact, she reminded me of this story a few weeks ago. She brought it up. She's like, you remember that Christmas when you gave me all those good gifts? And this is kind of... An abnormality because sometimes I don't give good gifts. So just being honest, right? I've learned to keep receipts, men. Keep the receipts, right? Because a lot of it's going back anyway. That's okay. I don't get my feelings hurt anymore. Here's the gift. Here's the receipt. Just take it on back. Exchange for what you want. But that particular year, she kept it all. It was a really nice Christmas because I gave her good gifts, right? It's kind of like that with the Lord. The Lord knows what we need and he even knows what we desire sometimes. And he wants to give us good gifts. He wants to direct us. He wants to lead us. But you know what we need to do in order to receive those things? We need to ask him. Seek him. Seek the Lord above all things. Don't seek the things of the world. Don't seek happiness in the things of the world. Don't try to do all the things the world tells you to do. Instead, seek the Lord. Ask the Lord. Ask the Lord to guide you and to strengthen you and to encourage you. And he will give you the things that you need. Now, watch this. I want to be careful because here's what some people are thinking. Great. The Bible tells me all I got to do is ask and I'm going to receive. So I'm going to ask the Lord for some really cool stuff. I need a lot of extra money, right, and a new car and a vacation and a raise and all that. We, let's be careful now. We always need to interpret Scripture in context. I just want to remind you of Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, as we studied a few weeks ago the Lord's Prayer. The Bible tells us in the Lord's Prayer, Christ says, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
See, as we ask the Lord and as we seek the Lord, we should desire the Lord's will to be done. We shouldn't desire simply what we want. You say, how do I know what the Lord wants? Well, you continue to pray to Him. You continue to seek Him. You continue to ask. You continue to knock on the door, right? You try to find Him. You try to learn about Him. You try to grow in your walk with Him. And the more that you understand the Lord, and the more you pray to the Lord, and the more you seek the Lord, His will and your will will align. And as you pray for the things in His will... He's going to give you, according to the truth of the Word of God, good gifts. And He's going to provide for you. Now we need to finish up verse 12. So we shouldn't have a judgmental attitude. We should deal with the sin in our own life first. We should seek Christ in all things. And now verse 12 as we finish up. So in everything, this is a neat little bookend, right? He began by saying don't judge others. He's explained kind of what that means. And now verse 12. So in everything, right? So in in view of all that the Lord has done... In the way that you treat other people, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Here's truth number four. We ought to treat others like we want to be treated. Treat others like you or we want to be treated. What's that called? We've learned it as a kid. What's it called? Golden rule, right? If you wanted to kind of sum up, in fact, Christ says this, if you wanted to kind of sum up the law and the prophets, if you wanted to kind of have a model by which to live your life, you treat other people the way you want to be treated. That means don't look judgmentally upon them, right? Because you don't like it when somebody looks on you like that, do you? Don't condemn them because you don't like it when somebody does that to you. Don't speak harshly to them because you don't like it when somebody does that to you. In fact, once you think about maybe the kindest person you know, if you could kind of make a list of, of the nicest, sweetest, kindest people I know, person number one, you like it when they treat you with kindness, don't you? You like the way that makes you feel. You like it when they treat you with respect. You like it when they demonstrate love to you. You like it when they demonstrate compassion. Christ says you need to treat other people like that. You need to treat other people the way you want to be treated and, and the way that people enjoy being treated with kindness and respect and, and, and with love and with all the things that we've talked about. Now, some of you may be thinking, you know, that this is, this is a very difficult thing to do. It's very hard for me to, to love somebody like that. It's very hard for me to kind of have compassion. It's kind of hard for me to put others ahead of myself. So I, do, I just want to kind of finish with this idea and encourage you with this. Whenever you struggle with this mindset, whenever you struggle with this idea of not being judgmental, about loving others, about putting others ahead of yourself, your model is always Christ. Because we're never going to live our lives fully like that. But our life ought to be characterized by a process of becoming more and more and more like Jesus. Always speaking the truth in love. Always putting others ahead of ourselves. Always loving, always forgiving, always showing compassion. See, Christ has called us to be different. He's called us to live our lives in a way that's confusing to the world. He's called us to love people even when they make mistakes. He's called us to deal with the sin in our own lives before we try to confront our brother or our sister. He's called us to treat other people the way we would like to be treated. That's very different from what the world says. But when we do that, when we're different... When we live our lives upside down, this is important now, people notice that in us. 
they see that we're different. And when we do those things, Christ receives the honor and Christ receives the glory. Let's pray together. Father, we're thankful for this passage of Scripture. Lord, it's challenging and it's very difficult sometimes to live our lives by these standards. But Lord, we pray through the power of the Holy Spirit working in our hearts and minds that we would be the men and women of God you've called us to be, Father. I pray that we wouldn't be judgmental. We would respond with love, Father. We would, we would worry more about our own sinfulness than the sinfulness of others. Lord, I pray that we would ask you for guidance, Lord. Ask you how to deal with certain situations. And I pray, Father, we would use as the standard by which we live the, the golden rule, Lord, to love others and to treat others the way we want to be treated. Lord, I pray that we would do that. And I pray when we do that, you would use us in mighty and powerful ways to bring honor and glory to yourself. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You can stand. We're going to give you a couple of minutes to respond as the team plays here. You can come and pray, of course, at the altar. You can accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. You can join the church. But this is your time now as we sing together. Thank you for joining today's sermon. We would love to hear how today's message blessed you. Use the Contact Us link on our website at rosemontchurch.org. God bless.